our memory verse for this week is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Let's say it together. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. (coughs) Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 1 Corinthians 13. (coughs) Well, I hope I get over that this morning. I've talked to several dealing with allergies. (coughs) And it seems like I'm struggling with it as well this morning. So hopefully that gets a little better. All right, if our ushers will come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. We'll sing hymn number 396, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up Gospel of Luke chapter 15. I have entitled this, When Heaven Rejoices. I suppose another appropriate title would be, The Diary of a Soul Winner. And we see how the uh, shepherd goes out to seek and to find. We have a trilogy of parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, 
and the prodigal son. And we have those three parables that are giving here. And they are all teaching one great truth, and that is the marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom toward us through Jesus Christ. Well, his grace will be on display throughout the ages to come. But here is a lesson that shows the dispatch of his grace, the giving of his grace, and what a marvelous set of parables these are. Um, I had planned to work with just the first two parables, but all three really go together. And so I'll deal somewhat with the third. It'll be included in here. I'll probably come back and spend more time on the third parable next Sunday morning. But we have a tremendous lesson in this chapter. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 15, I'll begin with verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Let me stop here and share a little story that I read from uh, J. Vernon McGee. It goes back to the time of, of uh, early years in, in London. And a young girl uh, was trying to get out of the cold and the weather and stepped into a church where a church service was happening. And she heard this passage read. And she listened to the message, and after the message, the pastor greeted her, and she said, Pastor, I'm so excited, I did not know my name was in the Bible. And he says, what's your name? Edith. And, and he says, I'm sorry, young lady, your name's not in the Bible. She said, oh, but it is, you read it this morning. He receiveth sinners with Edith with them. He says, well, yes, I guess your name is in the Bible. Every name could be there. Well, you never know how children hear what's being said or being read. Let me continue. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. 
And not many days after, the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to, to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this is thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Father, we come to you this morning. What an incredible lesson the Lord is teaching here. Father, I pray that you will enable me to have the voice to speak of your goodness, to declare the good message. And the good news. And Father, I pray that the Spirit of God could guide and direct in each part of this. And Father, I pray that you would use this message, particularly the Word of God, to work in each heart. Help each believer to grow in an understanding of the heart of God when it comes to reaching the lost. And Father, if there is anyone here this morning that is without Christ as their personal Savior... Lord, I, I can preach a message. I can deliver the truth. But it is only the Holy Spirit that can take that truth and pierce the heart and prick it and bring it to repentance and faith. And so we seek your help this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we have in these three parables... The Lord using that which is near and dear to the heart of man. 
his possessions, his treasure, and his family. And he uses these three things to perfectly paint the picture of God's amazing grace. These three parables are introduced by hostility. If you notice in verse 1 and 2, and do understand, and let me rehearse this, uh, this time in the life of the Savior, it's in the latter part of the last six months before he lays his life down upon Calvary's tree. And we discover that the hostility of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees is growing and growing and getting stronger all along the way. And here is an occasion where he had reached out to publicans and sinners and they didn't like it. And if you notice in verse 1 and 2, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured. You see, they spoke of him with sarcasm, trying to defame him, trying to attack his reputation, his character. He was met with hostility. Out of all of this, here we have a chapter where the Lord himself demonstrates how to love them that hate you. How to be kind to those that despitefully use you. You see, they spoke this, but he gave these three parables that not only reached out to the publicans and sinners that were around him, not only for his disciples, but for the Pharisees to hear as well. Do you know it is easy to give the gospel to someone who is kind? But it is rather challenging to share the gospel to someone that speaks disparaging of us, that is unkind, that is hostile, that really would like to destroy who we are and what we believe. But the Lord shows us how it is done. I want us to look at this chapter, a beautiful picture book, and see God's amazing grace. It is first a beautiful picture of charity, hope, and faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. It is a picture of charity in that charity is an English, one of the English words used to describe God's agape love. God's agape love is unconditional, that will be sacrificial, with no expectation of return. But here the word charity is one of those words that is used, and the emphasis is upon the object of love. And uh, this reaches out even to the Pharisees. They are included in his love. When John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that included every man, woman, and child. It did not include only those who were kind. It did not include only those who were willing to hear the gospel. But it included, God's love included even those that despise God and are hostile to the gospel message. We know that the Lord loved these people. 
In John 1.11, He came, He left the glories of heaven, and it says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Matthew 23.37 speaks of how He yearned to reach His own, and that was the Jewish people. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, and let me stop, including the Son of God... How oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. And so, yes, it is a picture of God's love that reaches out. A picture of loving them that hate you. I read the story as I was studying for this. There was a young boy that was known to walk miles. I don't know if it was two, three miles. Uh, but he would walk miles to, to the church where Moody was ministering. And he would go there for Sunday school on a regular basis. And one of his friends said, Why do you walk so far to go to a church for Sunday school when you have some right in your backyard? And as the little boy's answer was, is because they love me. Folks, we ought to be compelled by the grace of God to love those that need to be loved. Some people are unlovely. Some people are unlovable. And I believe we could say that these Pharisees would fit that category. They were both unlovely and unlovable. Now, I do understand they they were at the peak of self-righteousness and ethics and all of that, but they still rejected Jesus Christ in all of their religion. Yet God loved them. It is not only a picture of God's great love that was reaching out to the Pharisees that were rejecting him, but it was a picture of hope. A testimony unto the publicans and sinners. Under the mentality of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sanhedrin and and all of that organized religion that rejected Christ, they too were rejected. They were not good enough to to, to be eaten with. They they couldn't sit down and eat with them. They couldn't be seen with them, let alone allow them into their church house. But it was a picture of hope that the grace of God can even reach them. You see, there is not a sinner alive beyond the reaches of God's grace. In all of this, you'll find that he ate with publicans and sinners... But he never once compromised truth or righteousness. There has been a widespread philosophy in Christendom over the years that you have to join them to win them. Christ did not dress like them. He didn't drink like them. He didn't talk like them. He didn't carry on like them. He didn't use their music. He simply loved them and met with them and reached out to them with truth and righteousness. And so here is a great picture of hope. That God is not willing that any should perish. Where there is breath in the lungs and a mental cognizance, there is hope for eternal life. Not only is it a picture of of God's love, it is a picture of hope, but it is a picture of faith for the disciples that were present. 
Faith to know that wherever the gospel is shared, sinners can be saved. Even in this hostile environment that that was antagonistic against Christ and Christianity, there were those that were looking for the truth And they needed to have the faith in the Lord to go beyond and be able to continue with the message and to reach the lost. It taught them to understand that God is not a respecter of persons as man can be. It doesn't make any difference whether you're the wealthiest of of the wealthy. It doesn't make any difference whether you are the poorest of poor. God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't make any difference whether someone has gone to church all of their life and, and they're very ethical, they're, they're, they're very, they've been morally good, they, they, they have been uh, just a, a good example and a testimony uh, of right self-righteousness, you might say. But if they have never repented of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ, They're lost. And God is no respecter of persons with them. He loves them and wants to see them saved. But he also knows that if they reject Christ, because if they do not receive Christ as their Savior, they will spend an eternity in hell. Likewise, they can be the vilest of sinners and the most wicked. God is no respecter of persons with them. They may have a lot of things in their life that they're ashamed of that they're embarrassed of. John Newton, who was a a, a shipmaster and a slave trader, vulgar man. But there came a point God's grace reached him, and he came to his knees in repentance and faith. And God dynamically changed his life from the inside out. You see, the disciples needed to understand that God is no respecter of persons with the gospel message. They lived in a culture that was steeped in bias, prejudice, and respect of persons. The disciples needed to have their faith taught to understand that even where disparaging words are spoken, desperate sinners can be saved. What a marvelous lesson. They needed to know and understand Psalm 126, verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And so we see three great pictures found in this lesson of love, hope, and faith. Next, we have pictures of the triune God at work. There is God, the Father. He is the creator of all and the possessor of all. He is the one that owns the sheep. He is the one that owns the coins. He is the one that is the father of the prodigal son. He owns it by right of creation. He is the creator and he is the owner. Job 41.11 says, Whatsoever is under heaven is mine. It's all his. Not only is he the possessor, but he's revealed as a father with great love. Let me repeat John 3.16 or the first part. For God so loved the world. He, He is the God of great love. The world can talk a lot about love, but they really don't know what love is. Most of it is lust. Some of it is affection. 
all of it can be very selfish. The agape love of God is totally unselfish and sacrificial. But he was a father and is a father of great love. The very first picture of love, the very first time love is spoken of in the Bible, I believe it's Genesis 22. And it is the love of a father for a son, Abraham and his son Isaac. And God the Father gave what he loved most, his only begotten son, to reach what he loved greatly, the lost, the sinners of the world. And so we have a great picture of God the Father. Even those that speak disparaging words and come with hostile spirit. We have a beautiful picture through the shepherd. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And in another place, he is the chief shepherd. Shepherds are unique individuals. To some people, they might be a little bit strange. I grew up ranching. We raised uh, quite a lot of cattle. And I grew up ranching. And for whatever reason, I kind of developed that cattle rival with sheep men. And one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome in coming into the ministry is to be identified as an under-shepherd, not a cattle herdsman. <laughs> so I had to get over that. But there are similarities... And one of the greatest lessons that I learned about being a pastor did not come from Bible college, but from my granddad as a great herdsman of how he cared for his livestock. The shepherd was one that truly cared for their flock. They would lay their life down for them. They would sacrifice for them. And Jesus Christ is a picture of the chief shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep. He knows his sheep by name and they know him. And it is also said that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he passed that commission on to the local church to do that. I find it interesting in, in the parable of the lost sheep. Back in Isaiah 9, verse 6, where it talks about that the government shall be upon his shoulder, singular. When he finds the sheep to take back, he places upon his shoulders, plural. I do not want to minimize the upholding of God, of the government, but isn't it nice to know that all the strength, support, and security within our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rests under us that we may rest upon it. Not just on one shoulder, thrown over a shoulder, but gently and graciously over two shoulders and laid there in a comfortable position and brought back to the flock. Oh, what a great shepherd we have. Then the woman seeking for the lost coin can be a picture of the Holy Spirit that searches and knows the heart. It is the one who convicts of sin, who lights the light and gives light through the word of God and illumination and understanding, convicts of sin, convicts of righteousness, and convicts that God's judgment is right. 
John chapter 16. Do you see, there's a lot of people who are lost, living in sin, that do not see sin as sinful. I have shared with you that I had made a hospital visit with a young lady who had lived in, in, in very wicked sin, a very disreputable life. I was asked to go and, and share the gospel with her. And as I spoke with her, I said, I can't imagine the guilt you probably feel for the sin in your life. And, and she looked at me just as stoic and, and as you could ask. And she says, I don't feel guilty. Do you know what? There's a lot of people that live in sin that do not know they live in sin. They do not sense the guilt. But it is the Holy Spirit that can take the Word of God and diligently search the heart and convict that lost person of the sin in their life. That it is a sin against God. And convict them that God's righteousness is right and good and holy. And that God's judgment is right. And that because of your sin and because you're a sinner, God is right and righteous to judge you and condemn you to an eternity in hell, except you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. So yes, we have another three good pictures. God the Father, who is the possessor of all with a great love. The shepherd, who will lay his life down for his sheep and seeks to save that which is lost and a picture of the Holy Spirit that searches the heart and brings conviction then we have another set of pictures of God's grace that reaches even further and deeper than one could imagine those three words are lost found and rejoice lost found and rejoice there was something or someone lost in each of these three parables one was lost by ignorance one by a fall and one by self-will and rebellion it was the sheep that was lost by sheer ignorance here again sheep can be difficult critters to deal with I had a cousin that worked at an uh, auction barn, and he well, dealt with cattle, hogs, and sheep. And he said the sheep seemed to be the dumbest and the hardest to work with. Now, I know part of your family tried loading some hogs out, and they can, be, they can try the patience. <laughs> But he says, with all of that wool on their back, you can try to use a cane and smack them to get them to go some way, and they just turn around and look at you like, huh? (laughs) And you try to get them to go somewhere, you try to deal with something, and he said they are so difficult. And I don't know, and I suppose there may be other creatures that are equally vulnerable, but I don't know that there's much other critter that's as vulnerable as a sheep they're not designed to defend themselves against predators and they for whatever it is 
I hate to call them a dumb animal, but for whatever it is, if there's a hole in the fence, they'll just go through it and they will just go and go and they can never find that hole to get back. Now a breachy cow knows where they got out of the fence and they'll come back in for feeding. But typically a sheep, it'll go out and it'll get lost and it'll never find its way. It'll fall into perilous conditions. It will become a prey for a predator. But it just seems out of pure ignorance, it is out there and lost. Do you know what? As a sinner, we are lost and sometimes out of ignorance and don't even know we're lost. That's why we have to give the bad news before we can give the good news. To help people understand that they're lost. They just think this is normal. They may be steeped in some other religion that keeps them blind. They may realize and, and, and yearn for something better than religion. They may be weary of the wickedness in their life that they're living. But they don't really know that they're lost. And, and in America, it is more difficult to, to be ignorant of being lost than in some countries. Because the gospel is readily on the radio and in and, and many places. But even in America, as well as around the world, there's people that don't even know they're lost, don't even know what it means to be lost. The sheep is a picture of that. Now, the coin was lost by a sudden fall or a displacement. The lady may have dropped it and it rolled off into the crevices of the house. She may have displaced it and bumped it out of sight, but it is lost. And here, it is lost in the dust and the dirt of wherever because she is taking a light and she is sweeping through all of the dust, trying to collect and trying to find that coin. But the very image is defiled by the dust of the earth. That is the coin. The son was lost to the father by a rebellious, stubborn heart. All three of these can portray the picture of someone without Christ. You see, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. That is the curse of sin that is inherited through the line of Adam. Adam sinned. He disobeyed God, and because of that, the consequences, and God told him this would be the consequences. But the consequences was that he would not only be the one under the curse, but all his offspring, which reaches to you and me as well. Folks, you may think it is your life and you can live it as you want, but the reality is your choices will impact other people. If you have a stubborn willingness to continue in sin and to continue to live uh, in objection to Christ and rejecting Christ, how many people will you influence to follow you to the pit of hell? We cannot blame Adam for his bad choice because many times you and I make bad choices that impacts people around us. 
But it's not only that we have inherited the sin nature with the curse and the penalty of sin, but Romans 5.12 goes on to say, for that all have sinned. Not only are we born sinners by birth, but we are sinners by practice. And we see in these three pictures, lost by ignorance, displaced by a sudden fall, and lost with a rebellion and a stubborn heart. Again, we find in this parable, a great, these three parables, a great picture of he that is lost or she. The next great word is found. It is a picture of repentance and faith unto salvation. With the sheep and the shepherd, it is the evangelistic work, not waiting for them to come, but to go out and to seek and to search for them. It is the go in the gospel. It is just a fantasy that where Hollywood said, if you build it, they will come in some movie. And I never even watched the movie. I kind of know what it's about just by things I've heard. But if you build it, they will come. Do you know what? God didn't command us to build a building and hope they will come. The commission and the command is, go ye into all the parts of the world. Preach the gospel. Go into all of the parts of the community and take the gospel. The shepherd is a picture of the great commission and the evangelistic work of going and seeking that which is lost and bring the gospel. And when they are found, tell them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that there is hope and there is a way back into the arms of Christ. For the coin and the woman... It is taking the light of the word of God and working diligently to recover the lost. Here goes with the message and the need for the Holy Spirit to work in hearts and work in lives. But you have to have the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. And so in being found, there is the go with the gospel. There is the word of God that sheds light on the need. But then you take being found, it is the Son and the Father and the third one that reveals the human responsibility to come to their senses. In all that God has done to provide, and all of the heart of our Heavenly Father where He is not willing that any should perish, we can go seek, we can find, We can turn the light on with the word of God and show them. But there's still the personal choice that you have to make. That son finally had to see himself in his sinful condition. He finally had to see that he he was lost. And not only that, but he was no longer worthy. Mrs. Miller and I have sung a song, Unworthy. Folks, I don't care how long you have been saved or how much you have grown in the Lord and truly how godly of a saint you really are. But the fact of the matter, we are never worthy. Here is one saw himself in his lost condition, his desperate condition, saw what the rebellion of sin had done to his life, realized that he was unworthy, 
But do you know what? There was still the hope. He knew his father. He knew he could go back and he could say, forgive me. I've squandered it all. I'm not worthy. And he had no expectations of what his father did for him. He didn't really know the scope of his father's love. But he discovered it when he came home. When he finally came to himself and realized who he was and what he had done. And he came to the father. Forgiveness was found and rejoicing was discovered. Which is the third word is to rejoice. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. People tend to find a level of joy in temporal things. Heaven finds its great joy in that which is eternal. In the first and second parable, it it states that there is joy in heaven. In the third parable, it gives a description of what kind of rejoicing takes place. Do you know when, when somebody wins the Super Bowl... When somebody wins the World Series, when, when we came and finished the World War II and we had the great parade in, in New York, the, the, the soldiers had come home and there was the, the, all of the confetti being thrown and the bands being played and the cheering and all that was going on. Those can be things worthy of some temporal joy. Now, I don't know exactly what happens in heaven when one sinner gets saved, but I could envision there's a a parade down uh, Golden Avenue and all of the angels singing and playing their harps and rejoicing. One sinner has come home. That's what heaven gets excited about. You and I could know just a taste when we have prayed for a family member, a loved one to be saved. And we have wept. And we have struggled. And then that one day, they repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, the joy that overwhelms the heart. Now here, to bring it personal to our hearts, are the great pictures. For the believer, will you go to seek the lost, take the light of the word, and diligently search? And how will you respond when disparaging words are spoke of your work and of your heart? For the one that is lost, let me remind you, you are the object of God's love. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is hope. No sinner is beyond the reaches of God's grace. But you must understand it is still a personal choice. And oh, that you would come to your senses and come to the Father. When there is one that is saved, there will be rejoicing in heaven. When one is saved through our church family, there will be rejoicing in this local church. And for the one that is saved there will be a newfound joy that is beyond explanation. Father, we come to you this morning. What a wonderful trilogy of parables that demonstrates and teaches us the riches of God's grace. 
Now, Father, it would be futile to have preached this this morning and have no effect upon anyone's heart. This is not just a good idea, but it's an important and needed. If somebody is here without Jesus Christ as their Savior, Father, I pray that they would have their eyes opened and would come to you through repentance and faith. And Father, I pray also for us as believers that it will mold our heart to be the heart of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are... Living by faith, living by faith, in Jesus above, in Jesus above trusting can
Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. And our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont. Or visit warriorsrevolution.com. That's warriorsrevolution.com. Reasons to Own Gold, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group at allamericangold.com. Reason number 647. Most people don't even know that the courts have already ruled. Once money is deposited into the bank, the bank owns the money, and the depositor is merely an unsecured creditor of the bank. 
which means if the bank goes under, you get paid last. After the financial crisis, instead of breaking up too big to fail, the government and the Federal Reserve created Dodd-Frank and made too big to fail banks even bigger while putting your deposits more at risk. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. To learn more, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800 951 The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492, Hi, this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. If you're not listening to Swamp Fight, you're just not listening. Join us here in the swamp Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays and Sundays at 12 noon right here on AM 1360. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360.